it was so comfortable getting this big check from this tech company. This is like safety. But then layouts is really happening. I feel the most safe like when the community got my back and I got their back. You're listening to the Not Yet Podcast, a bi-weekly show exploring the relationship between creativity and spirituality. I'm your host, Paige Polk, an Emmy-winning experience director, helping you honor the dreams you have for yourself and your community. To access the full Not Yet Community Healing Project, including our live events and other intentional living resources, join our Patreon at notyetseries.com. Now let's start the show. Welcome back to the Not Yet Podcast. And today I'm joined by a beautiful new friend named Shem Chung Rajun. Hello, Shem. How are you doing today? Wabnin, wabnin. What's going on, Paige? It's so nice to have you. You have such a delightful presence, truly. (laughs) Thank you. Well, before we dive into today's episode, I want to give the black and white version of Shem and their experience here on this planet. Shem moved from Trinidad and Tobago to Harlem, New York when he was 11 years old, and he joined a youth journalism organization called Harlem Live and became a leader and advocate for his community. Today, he uses his skills in design research, and communication to build communities and lead teams in the public and private sector. Shem's mentor once said, I am an artist who cares, and Shem takes that to heart in everything that he does. That was beautiful. Thank you for reading that. I, you know, it's it sounds so different, like hearing it from the other side, you know? Yeah. What, uh, what comes to mind hearing uh, it played back to you? Well, you know, I think I think about all the aspects of my childhood that, you know, I couldn't add to a, to my bio that is such a, a rich part of my story, like growing up in, in I was born at home. Um, my grandmother um, was a midwife and my grandfather was like a spiritual healer in the village. And, you know, I was born at home in Saparia in Trinidad in the south and, um just like the access to resources and stuff, it it I didn't have like it at, at a whim. So I just kind of like had to figure out and be restorative with like things. Like if I wanted a car, I'd take like scraps of wood and like put it together. But a little, I, I didn't know at that time that, that those were building the foundations of like this, like restorative ideation, like uh, entrepreneurial zeal from just like, conjuring something out of nothing you know I think like those things that it's like hard to throw into like my bio but (laughs) it's hard um, to throw that into two to three short sentences your uh intergenerational ephemeral presence for real um (laughs) our ancestors still live on you know absolutely well uh I uh, love to start these episodes with people's bios because I'm fascinated with the story we tell the world about who we are. Mm-hmm. Because there will always be people who are interacting with you, who are developing their own understandings of your energy or your mission or your purpose. And at the end of the day, you are who you say that you are. So for me to hear that your interpretation, your 
like your connection with who you are is so rooted and how your family began your life is just delightful. <laughs> yeah, it's why I like community is a central part of like everything I do, you know, but it took a minute though, because at one point it was like, I was chasing, like, I thought my purpose was around just like physicality and like, you know, and, um, and I went there and I didn't feel fulfilled and, um, and had to go through like and start from the bottom again you know um but I feel like I feel really grounded now so well that's such a perfect segue into what I hope we can dive into in our conversation today uh when I reached out to you it was through the lens of performance art, uh, I know that you are also, you're a community leader and also a capoeira instructor beyond your design and research work. And I have my own personal movement practice. It's also community-based. And my understanding is that the honesty and the intimacy that we cultivate in these relationships, that practice can carry over into every other part of our lives, whether um, for you as a movement artist or a facilitator or a community builder, or for me as a community builder and a media strategist and a public programmer. Uh, so can you tell me a little bit more about this story of how community has been intertwined into your life, but you kind of had to have your own reckoning with it? Wow. You know, what I can say is that like, oh, let me just do a sound check. Okay. You know, when I got into like, I guess capoeira, I was exposed to uh, capoeira and gala when I was um, in high school. I went to Wadley High School in Harlem and I saw a performance that just like was happening at the school. And this guy did this like crazy, like front tuck over like someone else. And I was like in the auditorium, like, yeah. So then I was like, you know, exploring, like, you know, I went, I connected with like another school that was on like 116 and they had Capoeira in the basement. And I was just like, so into like, oh, you can do, you can do anything with your body. You can do a backflip, a kick, whatever. And this, um, I really went into that and I started to like, understand like some of my own limitations and like how I could do things together. Um, I could do things on my own and like have my limitations there and then work with another person. And then we um, build off of each other and then work within a group. And then I start to see like, whoa, this is like, you know, social, emotional, like <laughs> growth and development right here, you know, but it took like so many years because I was just like trying to get really good physically and I would be performing. I would be on stage here and on stage there. Um, and I knew how to do the coolest flips because I practiced it and fell and like crashed so many times. But then I, the meanwhile, like there's this overall like community that's like at the foundational level. And it took me like 15 years before I even like saw that, <laughs> you know? Um, and I've been doing capoeira for like 20, over 20 years now. And it's like, um, when I look at it from the lens that I'm looking at it now in the vantage point, it's like, 
here's this art form that was created by enslaved Africans um, in Brazil. They were like trying to figure out a way to liberate themselves. They used sound, music, uh, dance, and like all of their different like indigenous like fights. They combined it all together and created capoeira and they made it into a dance so that nobody would realize that it was actually threatening. And they liberated themselves for 600 years. They created like little communities and they were matriarchal communities. And I was like, whoa, mind blown. I was like, here's this art form with this rich history that like I was like a part of and I was completely blinded to it. Um, and through my own discovery, going to Brazil, training with my Mestre, Mestre No, um, Mestre Lazaro um, in Bahia, in Salvador Bahia, I was like, I got this like this perspective of the art form that I was like, whoa, this is aligned with me. It's aligned with my Trini heritage. I was talking about my grandmother and my grandfather and them creating a community through birthing and and like, um, you know, bringing new lives into our earth, you know, and supporting moms. Uh, and similar, it was like supporting each other through liberation and the struggle. So it was like, yo, um, there's something much bigger to this. And now when I approach like anything, if I go on stage, I, I, I perform like doing a, a video project, I'm like connecting to like that source um, and I'm bringing that to what I'm what I'm what I'm doing. So it's like it's raw and it's authentic. And it's like we fail and we like um, shine at the same time, you know. Can you say more about failing and shining at the same time? Yeah, I feel like, you know. I feel like it's OK to like, you know. Be upset, get angry and um you know or like fall you know I, I sometimes it's like in capoeira um after you've been doing capoeira for so long people like expect you to be like a superhero who could never get tripped but a hashtera is like your biggest lesson and a hashtera is like a takedown where you get sweeped and both your feet fly up in the air and you have to know how to fall or else it's gonna be like it's gonna hurt real bad um but it's like one of the greatest lessons, you know, um, because we get to like identify like what it, what goes up, you know, um, you, uh, Paulo Freire says like action and critical reflection, you know, um, the, uh, the critical reflection is like the zoomed out, like the failure, the hashtera, you know, what did I learn from there? Could I have uh, move my leg? Could I have like swayed in another direction, move back? Could I have just reset the game and come back and shake hands and be like, yo, you know, we built, but this is getting a little bit like in the direction that, you know, um, there's so many different like possibilities if I'm able to like critically reflect. And for a certain amount of time, I was just acting, 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 but like no critical reflection, you know? This gets me thinking about Capoeira and how typically it happens in a hoda, which is community-centered. Like it's a gathering of beings surrounding you with music and love and intention. And so you could have a wipeout in front of your community. <laughs> yeah. Which is such a parallel to like our living active world. Mm -hmm. I think I, I there have been times in my life where I have been so terrified of looking incompetent 
that I do my biggest and deepest and hardest reflections and challenges in isolation, which is Mm -hmm. a disservice to me because I don't have the critical reflection of my community to support me, the knowledge Mm -hmm. and experience of my community to help me. And also it does my community a disservice because Mm -hmm. they do not get to experience my practice, which could be a learning opportunity for them, which could be a collective learning opportunity for us as a whole. Yo, that's so facts. Um, There was like so many times where I I was co-leading a Capoeira group in New York City called Ileji Palmadas. And um, I spent many years uh, like cultivating the community. And, um, you know, it was like, I I kept so many, like the community kind of like felt like they knew me, but like didn't really like know me. And that was like that moment, that those moments where like a part of myself, I kind of like, you know, almost like isolated and expressed my, my, myself and feelings. And I don't know if that was the introspective, like side of me, the introvert side of me, but it was like, you know, only after I start like leading a community now um, in Newburgh, like I lean on my community, you know, and they lean on me and we're a community. I don't don't even want to say my, I say our community. We lean on each other and like whatever we go through, we support each other and we show up and we're there and it can be really high, really low. Um, You say, amare subiu, amare deseu like the tide goes up and the tide goes down. And I feel like there's this level of like, I don't know, intimacy that comes from like honesty and like um, sharing all facets of our like emotional, mental, spiritual, physical, nutritional, you know, list goes on. Uh, Hearing this sort of exchange of intimacy uh, gets me thinking about boundaries. Mm-hmm. And how boundaries ideally are meant to keep people in our lives. Like they're meant to be uh, like creative, porous mm-hmm. barriers that help us nurture ourselves and our community simultaneously. And I feel like English is so lacking. It's such a baby language. <laughs> and <laughs> We need something for boundaries that has that porosity built into it. Because when I think of the word boundary, I think of a wall. Like Mm -hmm. I think of a structure. I think of something that is immobile and inactive. And that Mm -hmm. is the exact opposite of what a healthy boundary is. It's constantly in motion. It's constantly adaptable. Yeah. Yo, that's so real. Um, You know, we, my wife, Jean and I, we, we oftentimes like, (laughs) go back and forth on our like research backed versus like our culture is like, you know, thousands, 5,000 years old backed, you know, for the history of time. Uh, So yeah, it's like, it's adaptable. It has to be fluid. It has to be a give and take. You're building a relationship, you know? You know, my wife is, is Korean. I'm Trini when our, when we told, you know, when Jean told her parents um, about our relationship, you know, it it, um, it caused a lot of tension. And, you know, 
we were disowned for a couple of years and we didn't think we were gonna like even have a relationship with them or like our son have a relationship with his grandparents um, in the future. And eventually over time, like we we still expressed our boundaries, but we also were like, there are also cultural differences that we have to like, that we have to consider and like think about um, as well. Um, I'm learning Korean because I wanna be able to like build a relationship with them. And like those, like our values, you know, and um, we had to like really shift our perspective on how we use the word boundaries or like how, because it is true. It feels like it's just like, you know, here, but in reality, it's like it can shape and move and like uh, it's multidimensional, you know. Absolutely. And I love that you brought up, like you brought up a real tangible transitioning relationship in your life in reference mm-hmm. to how the boundaries can shift and move uh yeah and I, now I, we have like the best relationship ever she teaches me how to cook i'm learning how to make kimchi um i work on my korean with her like we jo- we joke and laugh sunrise has his grandparents around but it took that uh, amount of like adaptability versus just like this is it like <laughs> yeah because we bring such we bring such robust depth with us mm-hmm. into our one-on-one relationships and even into a community practice. And in many ways, it's unstable to just bring in everything mm-hmm. all at once. Yeah. Uh, like it can be destabilizing. It can be chaotic. And in many ways, damaging to the long term. When you, if if your long term goal is like, how do we integrate and support one another in a mutually respectful, supportive, and aligned connection? Bringing mm-hmm. everything that you have to the table and being like, this is it. It doesn't work. That's not how math works. That's not how nature works. Mm-hmm. Why would it work that way in our relationships too? That's so real. Big fox, big fox. <laughs> <laughs> I try to come with big facts regularly. Uh, well, Shem, uh, I, um, we've talked a little bit about uh, your experience as a community leader through Capoeira. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about sort of your research and facilitation work that you do with community. Can you say more about that? Where do I start? All right. Well, on the... <laughs> I guess on the on the on the on the private sector, like private tech, I've been more in just like education and technology. Um, so like little bits, I was part of the early design uh, team there, and that was around like taking hardware, complex hardware. Um, I guess like electrical engineering concepts and break it down to kids between six to like. 14 um, through play. And, you know, the challenges were really uh, unique. You know, I had to, you know, figure out how to like get someone to figure something out on a hardware thing, like their phone to connect like with this other device here and like interview kids and like learn how to, how to ask questions in ways that they can like understand. But, um, 
uh, and then it's in like a fast paced tech company. And that was incredible. The team grew and like uh, got became really successful, eventually partnered with like Disney and like got acquired and stuff. It's like awesome. Event, I wanted to widen my scope because that was like more niche into like hardware technology, play toy and niche toy industry. Then I, um, I, one of my professors from Parsons, um, Chris Andrews hit me up and he was like, yo, I'm at this, uh, this, uh, company called Teachers Pay Teachers, come join me. Uh, this is a, a a chance to like impact millions of educators, millions of young people um, around learning material, sharing resources, things that teachers would do in the teacher's lounge now on the internet. So it was like, you know, only one designer there and him. So I was going to be the third designer on the team. So I was like, wow, this is a cool opportunity to expand my impact. And went to Teachers Pay Teachers, and I felt like that was like one of my career highlights because it was like, yo, in this space, I'm able to build relationship with educators and see how they think about how they break down the system, how they break down learning, um, and how it's uh, attached to their pedagogy, like you know, certain amounts of rigor, all of these different aspects for them as an educator and and their learners, and. Um, the challenges we came across were incredible. Um, all, all the while, in parallel, before all of this was Harlem Live. So the work that I was doing there that helped set me up for all of these were around journalism, telling our stories. We have a press badge. We have the, the agency to say like, yo, I want to ask you a question. Um, and we were able to like go all over the city and like, um, and no, this is like 96. Right. Um, New York Times didn't even go online yet, like um, before Harlem Live. And this was like a bunch of teens in Harlem uh, running this newspaper. We did like the first Google Maps before it even came out. Um, we took we drove rode our bikes around New York City and captured like photos of all of the landmarks in Harlem, all of the streets in Harlem before the cell driving cars and the cameras. So young innovators in Harlem. But what that allowed me to do was like in order to tell my story, it's a process like we go through a process of like asking questions. It's like, who is our audience? You know, it's like, who are we building this product for in the private sector? But it's like for a community, we're like, we actually want to tell our stories to our community. We don't want these other large corporations telling the Harlem story. That didn't that didn't fit with us. You know what I'm saying? So we band together and like it was incredible. I mean, in present day, in FAM, our community, it's a health and wellness cooperative. We're working on the book, The Story of Harlem Live. It's called The Legacy of Harlem Live, Empowering Youth Through Journalism and Experiential Learning. And it's in pre-release um, pre right now. And um, we're going to, we're working on the cover and like some last like design tweaks, but it tells the story of this like, you know, organization that was in Harlem at the beginning of like the internet era that like, and now they're all over the place in various industries and government and um, organizations, international working in social justice, environmental justice, like starting their own tech companies. And it's pretty cool, you know, all came from like the agency of like, it's like a cape 
here's a press match. You know, that, that's like, that's, that's such art and theater. And it talks about like how you can rehearse for life, you know? Um, so I feel like all of that is like interwoven, you know, um, into little bits, into teachers pay teachers, because it's all asking questions. How am I building dialogue with these educators to create an experience that meets their needs? Um, then I, I swerved off to like 15.5, and that was more about culture. It was like, actually, what is an authentic culture? What what are the the the, the building blocks of a culture that is like going to thrive? Um, and, and through all of those experiences, I came right back to community and started FAM because um, I don't think the the tech world necessarily will have the answers to our our challenges. I think like we'll have the answers to them. So like we have to like invest in our community and our ideas. And that's why we started a co-op <laughs> because it was like, yo, can we invest in ourselves? You know? <laughs> um, and it's cool. We're seeing so many cool things. Like we have, we have a partner um, in our community who's starting a farm and it's all about food and bringing together other activists and us like, you know, building together. They just did a, 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 um, a facilitators like session this weekend where they all camped and meditated and like started to plan out what this experience is going to be like and it's open to the community. Got the book spinning off. We did some research with elders, uh, 60 plus in, um, in our community because we're like, who are the most like uh, vulnerable that we should be talking to? And we saw it was elder uh, women or women identifying or um, uh, BIPOC. Um, and, you know, they wanted to build relationships intergenerationally with like their grandkids and their great grands. And they were trying to like understand like how could they like bridge that gap, but they were already doing it in small ways through food, through like cooking. And then the kids, like, if they don't want to, if they're not interested in it now, when they get a little bit older, they're like, yo, grandma, teach me how you made that. And then, um, so we're working on a cookbook and um, that's going to tell these stories. And it's like, yo, you know, it's like, it takes a lot of faith to be like, yo, actually, I'm going to, um, I'm going to like invest in the community and the community is going to, we're going to invest in each other. Because at one point I felt like, yo, it was so comfortable getting this big check from this tech company. And I'm like, yo, yeah, I'm safe. I'm safe. But then layouts is really happening. And I was laid off and it was just like, what? Like here, I'm like, oh, this, this is like safety. You know, but it's like, what is safety? You know, um, but I feel the most safe, like when the community got my back and I got their back. So. What is safety? That is a fantastic <laughs> question. Fantastic. Okay. So I was also laid off. Uh, I was also laid off. And even before I was laid off, I didn't feel safe. Mm hmm. Like in my body, I did not in my mm -hmm. body feel safe. It's like, yes, I had the paycheck and I had the quote unquote stability. Um, that was also fake. And when I think about what safety feels like in my body, it feels like it feels generative. Mm -hmm. It feels generative. Like the same way that creativity and community are generative. You talking, you're talking about the different projects that you've been connected with 
over the course of your career that have lit you up from the inside in part because of the connection that they foster with the Mm -hmm. people that you're connected with, whether that's Harlem Live, supporting young people to like build in and tap into their own agency um, and developing fam, like combining all of the knowledge that you have as a designer, as a facilitator, as a community builder, like all of these things have come together because of connections, like the little eureka moments over time that are not only supporting you, but are supporting the people around you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That feels like safety to me. Safety feels dynamic. Yeah. And you know, we 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 oftentimes like quote um uh Jessica, Dr. Jessica Gordon Emhart. She um she she wrote this book called Collective Courage, Incredible, the rich rich, rich history of like Af- African American cooperatives. Um and and she built off of like uh the boys' work and research and and you know she has this term called community wealth and it's like you know it's like can we shift that and and wealth is not actually only financial wealth but it's like all of the other aspects we have to that is probably we're gonna like that's gonna impact us way more you know um like you know we could have as much money as we want and like buy all the herbs and like such and such. But without our connection to the farm, we learn that like mugwort, which looks like a weed, is actually like a healing plant or like sting nettle. And we're actually learning how like um how we can actually go from the the core versus like, oh, I can just like pick and choose, but then I'm not actually learning through that experience. Um so yeah, it's just like shifting that is, is is way it's such a wider range to like resources and like wealth like what is true wealth yeah yeah health, like health and wealth are multi-dimensional it, it kind of mm-hmm. gets me thinking about even if you're talking about money if you're talking about financial wealth or financial health people say it's diversifying your assets mm-hmm. the same thing applies to our lives the richness of our lives and our connections like are we moving our bodies with ease and joy? Mm-hmm. Do our elders have access to the things that they need to thrive spiritually? Are we building relationships and passing knowledge down through those generations? Because mm. we don't have to relearn everything. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We don't we have really to. Don't. <laughs> I, I fully agree. I feel like we really don't. Um uh and it's something i'm i'm like really trying to work on you know um the the book uh collective courage talked about this educational aspect that was like so key to the success of these cooperatives that went hundreds of years and it was like you know it was primarily led by black women and they were basically like basically doing their research and education while they were like, you know, launching a, a store, you know, like it, it may be a cooperative, like local grocery store, because Black people didn't have access to like this type of grocery store, similar to like food deserts and stuff like that today. Um, and, you know, it was, it, that that was really cool, having that educational aspect, a pool of resources that can we, we can like leverage 
to approach whatever we're creating um, from a more fuller, richer like perspective. Um, and I'm trying to figure out how to do that now. Like we launched this cooperative. It's like pretty successful. We are like excited about it. So we're like, how do we make all these resources open source? So like we we built off our open source bylaws um, from this tech company um, that had a different perspective called uh, Ampled. So they had open source bylaws. So we built, we, we basically like remixed their bylaws and then we created a community um, focused, like community based uh, experiential learning uh, model bylaws. Then we built like this other aspect that kind of shows you all angles of the org so that people can like really jump into communication or to like our physical location, um, various like locations we are digitally. And um, we want to make that open source and like people could just pick it up and use it. And a lot of it is like tethered to our Trini culture and then Korean culture. Um, Chung in Korean culture is about, you know, it's like turning from them to we, you know, like how can we shift that like individualized, like capitalist, like patriarchal, white supremacist, can we, can we shift that to like, can we band together? Together we can do anything, you know? Um, um, that's Bell Hooks, you know, she is like here, like got me fired up. All About Love is one of my favorite books. I reread it every year. It is uh, very well loved and well worn on my bookshelf. So it really means a lot to me that that is such an influential, um, that she's such an influential thinker mm -hmm. in your practice. Well, it sounds like you're on the crux and in the process of some really exciting things at FAM between uh, having a, like a multidimensional and also sounds like multimedia uh, knowledge practice. Yo, for real, yo, we are, we, we realized that like, I mean, this community kicked off from like a writing group in the city. We were just meeting up and like writing our stories because we was like, yo, we're watching all these shows and they make us criminals because we black or they make us like in a laundry store because we're Asian. And it was just like, you know, we was like, we need to tell our stories. So then we started writing them. And then we're like, whoa, the community's like, you know what? We need to produce our stories. So then, you know, we went from write on to pass the popcorn. We'd be like, hey, I passed the popcorn to Paige. And then Paige would like talk, pass the popcorn to Sean. So pass the popcorn started. We're like, let's produce our stories. So then we started producing our stories during the pandemic and we were like, we would meet up remotely, go through the whole process from like coming up with a treatment and like voting on like the story that we can like build based on time, complexity, et cetera, et cetera, resources. And then we would meet up for one or two shoot days, shoot the project COVID safe, and then go back and edit it virtually and pass the popcorn kicked off. We did like three short films kicked off a film festival and then it was like whoa we need a physical space so then we launched fam physically in Newburgh and if y'all don't know about Newburgh yo put it on your radar because it's lit um 
And we've been like, you know, working with the youth of Newburgh to like, they kicked off the people of Newburgh, which is a local youth led newspaper um, so that they could tell their stories about their community. Um, uh, we go on nature walks. We do like uh, weekly, like uh, field trips. We'll go to local gardens and like cultivate at the garden, learn about pulling weeds or like, you know, growing food and harvesting it, the seasons. We go to like events in the city and we have the fam van. It's like a 15 passenger and we commute to different spots throughout the, the Newburgh, like greater Newburgh region. Um, and then we also go in and out the city. Um, so yeah, lots cooking up, you know, lots cooking up with fam. It's like really cool. And then we have our sage board of elders, Dr. Dr. Funke, um, she's in uh, from Brooklyn College, um, and she is like super awesome. She teaches like women's studies, international global politics, and she is like giving us like support whenever we're trying, where we have those failures and we're like leaning on our community or like um, Unju Chung, um, who started a, a Korean church in Virginia. We, we always like, she, when we, launched fam physical space she came and like donated things and like set us up to like get the community running because you did it for 40 years you know um and rich who started harlem live and uh dr mark who is like a um a osteo osteopathic doctor who primarily focuses on uh, youth. He's like the medical aspect of like, our, when we train capoeira, are we thinking about how we restore our bodies? Um, so, you know, we got a strong team, you know, Gene and I are, are holding it down. Um, and the parents and the youth are like, we're all in it together, which I think is like, cool. We like build a bond. I think that is like part of the spiritual aspect that like brings everything full circle, you know? It's like, we're together in this. Um, and it's not like, oh, I'm just doing this with your kids. It's like, nah, we are in it together. We're doing it as a family. Mm -hmm. um, uh, no more, no more like, let's put over the kids over in the kids section and the parents be in the parents section. Like we could learn from the youth and we could learn from the elders. You know? Yeah. Like, and that's where the intergenerational knowledge transfer begins by just mm -hmm. sharing space with one another in life. Yeah. I love that. Shem. Shem, Shem, can you tell <laughs> me uh, a practice that you have right now that's helping you to discover who you are? Of course. Like, um, I journal and meditate. Um, and even more specific, like uh, some of the questions I ask myself is like, how do I feel? What do I need? What do I want? What's happening? You know, uh, I have a, a a photo of myself as a as a as a kid, and um, and I made a little collage. My wife Jean and I we did this. She has one of her as well, and we we say to our 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 inner child, and now it's sunrise is there. That's who, um, and you say I love you. I hear you, I see you, I feel you. Um, uh, and I, you know, I give, them, give them a hug. Um, I feel like that has been like really grounding um, practice. Uh, and I don't always do it. And I feel like, you know, 
when I, I look back and I'm like, dang, so long past and like, I haven't done this. Um, and I like, I, I, it goes up and down, I catch it. And then like, I'm back in the routine and then I fall off. And then I'm learning that it's not just like a, you know, um, I don't, it's not just words, but it's words, images, sounds. There's like other ways to be able to um, tap into that. Um, so going to the water and then just like kicking by the water with the family has been like fully grounding as well. So we do that every morning. We go for a little like hike and we're by the water and it's like, you know, sometimes that's all it is, you know. You know what? You're reminding me that I need to go to the Eno River. <laughs> Thank you for holding me accountable. Uh, <laughs> uh, can you also shout out where the Not Yet community can find you, can find out more about your work, find out more about FAM? What's Where, where are you on the internet? Um, or in real life, that too. <laughs> Well, I mean, to hit me up, I'm at Shem at Rajun.com, S-H-E-M at R-A-J-O-O-N.com, FAM's community. Um, you can check us out, FAMKind.com. Um, on Instagram, it's FAM.KIND. Um, and yeah, check us out, see see what's up. And uh, we're, we're a virtual community. So we have free gatherings and we have like um, membership dues if you wanna get like invested in the community. So you can always pop into one of our sessions. We got right on on Thursdays um, and we got line, we line, we do lime in. Uh, so we lime in every Monday evenings and we work on projects like our writing our stories or like building a, an idea. So hit us up, famkind.com. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Not Yet. The podcast is hosted by me, Paige Polk, and produced by Paige Polk International. The show art is made by Elizabeth Olguin, and the music is by Elder. Don't forget to subscribe here. And if you want more of this love in your life, visit notyetseries.com to join the Not Yet Project and community.